Welcome to the 45th episode of De Luca, a podcast between two friends about the latest in politics, society, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Dankelisan. And I'm Sweden Lee. And this week, we're talking about De Luca, turning two years old! It is officially in the terrible two stages, like the last two years hasn't been so terrible. Except it has been. Yeah. So we just wanted to talk today about thanking our listeners and kind of just like trying to self-crit ourselves and see how we maybe have grown, hopefully. Hopefully. And, and just especially for our listeners who listen to us from the beginning, thanks so much for sticking around and listening to us talk. Thank you so much for um, sticking around, listening to the audio quality, hopefully get better. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully us getting better at this thing? Question mark? <laughs> yeah. And Steph's going to share about some of the projects she's working on at Columbia right now, which is part of why she hasn't been as present in some of our episodes. But yeah. it's going to be a little bit more rambling and a little bit more reflective than our usual conversations. But, you know, I think it's worthwhile to self-crit and look back on what we've done over the last 45 plus episodes with all the bonus episodes. And yeah. Yeah. So... Without further ado, here's to it. marathoned us and i'm just like really thank you so much we um, don't even marathon us anyway <laughs> i can't, I can't yeah, imagine that like after we finish post-production we're just like okay we're done like moving on <laughs> moving on so um yeah i think for me like this past two years has been so different for me personally starting i think out of desperation <laughs> In the beginning, it was definitely desperation. Right? I mean. Like we were just so we were so stuck in Jakarta, going to malls, going to coffee shops. I mean, I still do that. And, but. <laughs> um, yeah, and like talking only to each other and ranting about stuff to each other. Mm-hmm. That we decided to do something more productive in our free time, which is do this podcast. And we remember like starting off; it was so hard to record. Like we would procrastinate by playing with my dog Simone for so long. Shout out to Simone. I just caught up with her last week. It's amazing. <laughs> and sprain your ankle running around with her. Um, I was unhappy at my business job, um, making money and exploiting labor. And I mean, two years later, I'm at Columbia Journalism School, like carrying around a lot of video equipment. So I'm working on, if you're, anyone's interested, covering the the effects of the largest modern gang take down in New York City history under the Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organization Act, which was originally designed to target mob bosses, but now have been used to target like low-level neighborhood gangs. And it's like a lot of people are just being caught up and been caught guilty by association. So if you think the Indonesian justice system is corrupt and messed up, so is America's. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just really interested in exploring systemic inequality both in Indonesia and abroad. And that's what I've been working on and why I think I've been appearing a little bit less in the podcast lately. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm literally like... Swamped in work. Swamped in work. And then that's like the main thing I'm working on. I'm also writing a piece on 
the secret war between the Indonesian police and the military, which will be shared. And hopefully I'll have some of the sources I'm interviewing for that appear on this podcast. So look out for that. I think it's, I mean, I don't know about you, right? But I think it's amazing to imagine that two years ago, we were just doing this podcast out of desperation, out of fun. And now... On top of like my safe and like a stack of books on on your iPhone. And using pillows to create a sound screen around the yeah. microphone. Um, yeah, not that we still don't do that. Yeah, but <laughs> we've only marginally got better. But I think it's kind of amazing to hear your story and see where you are from two years ago to now. And I'd like to think that, you know, the podcast has grown as much as we have grown, hopefully. Uh-huh. At least in terms of yeah. us getting more interesting stories, more in-depth stories, and a lot of voices that wouldn't be heard in many other platforms to a wide variety of audiences, right? In Indonesia and beyond. I mean, we take the time to, in our interviews, not interview white men. Wait, have we even ever interviewed white men? Uh, Well, technically for the East Timor episode. Oh, right. John. Oh, John's a sweetheart. He's a cool white man. He's a cool white man. Shout out to John. Yeah, so we've been pretty good about that. I mean, obviously, if people are interested in listening to other kinds of people, please let us know. We always love hearing your messages. But I think I just also want to take this time to like kind of look back and self-criticize ourselves and see how much we've grown as people. Um, I personally like to think that I've become more intersectional over the last two years. I think one thing that I have some thoughts about is like our first episode mm-hmm. uh, titled LGBT plus instant noodles equal instantly gay, um, which is a pretty funny title in some ways. And I don't think anyone from the community has criticized us for it. But I think especially in light of the last two years, I don't know if that kind of levity holds the test of time. And I'm sorry if it doesn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think we we would name that that way today. No. And I do think, yes, you're right. It probably hasn't um, stood the test of time. But I also do think it is a indication of how things have gotten worse since two years ago and how the situation has really mm-hmm. gotten more serious. And I'm looking forward, hopefully, uh, in the future that we'll revisit the issues of the LGBT community in Indonesia and really update our listeners from way back when on what's going on and the fight that's going on. But yeah, I mean, listening back to that episode, you know, we really try to be super serious (laughs) and super academic, uh, even though we're not. But I think it showed uh, what is, I, I believe, to be our mantra or the charming part of our conversation which is our flimsy but earnest logic <laughs> we were er- like we we're honestly earnestly trying to do this well and as intersectional feminists i think one thing I, i'm just like looking at some of our titles and i'm like one other thing that i was like ah. um male feminists manning the mantle yeah we were scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit with that one but you know <laughs> we're all human yeah I think, like, especially for me, I've, I've gotten a little bit more cautious with the using female, male as a designation of gender as opposed to sex. And I, I kind of want to revisit our gender episode at some point as well, because I think my thoughts around that have hopefully has grown quite a bit. And it's a lot more nuanced than some people. And less binary, right? Yeah, less binary than I think it should have been. I don't think we should have had that discussion just by ourselves. Probably. Um, yeah, that's probably true. You know, so yeah, sorry, listeners. 
um, about that. We we want to hold ourselves accountable, right? And we definitely and I you know and listeners, if you think the same or otherwise, please let us know on social media or email us. But I think you know we try our best to talk about these issues in as earnest and as authentic. Way as possible between the both of us, but yeah, but we're we're, we're still pretty cis heterosexual people, and cis heterosexual people are trash. So, I'll put myself in the garbage. <laughs> yes, I uh, know we really wouldn't be offended if people call us out. And I think one thing I actually really like about myself is that I'm really open to being criticized and changing my mind. I'd like to think I've grown more empathetic lately in the last two years. And like understanding that there's a lot more nuance in the world, uh-huh. and uh, to not take my thoughts too seriously, because what do I know? I know nothing. <laughs> I try to know a lot, but I do not. One of the feedback I've gotten from various kinds of people is that a lot of different communities and individuals, whether marginalized or not, have responded to our episodes and our stories in a way where I think both Steph and I have to have some kind of responsibility, right? That like when we're reporting or, or telling these stories and talking to these people, we have to be very cognizant of the kind of uh, situation we're in, the kind of privilege we bring to the situation, and being aware of some of the nuances of the topics we've talked about. And I've certainly felt, you know, it's like two years ago, I wouldn't think that was in my priority list or I I just wasn't that aware about it, that that's how I should conduct myself when doing these interviews and having these conversations. But certainly over the last two years, over the last 45 plus episodes with the bonus ones, Mm -hmm. I've gotten much more self-aware about how to talk to people and how to be careful about the assumptions I make and how to converse in an intersectional way about these topics. And the last two years has been different for me when compared to Steph's because I, you know, I just did my day job and I still continue doing what I'm doing. But I've certainly felt, <laughs> sorry, got to make the money. <laughs> um, You're not exploiting labor. People are exploiting your labor. Sure, we'll put it that way. <laughs> But certainly moving back to the States and living in the era of Trump and seeing all the oh God. all the things that have happened this year, both in America as well as hearing about the things that happened in Indonesia, it has certainly made me become more reflective about my position and my privilege uh, and really recognizing that having this podcast is not just about me and Steph talking about anything and everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. But really using it as a platform to tell important stories that many of the marginalized communities may not be able to tell on their own. And I really want to express over the last two years, I think our podcast has become more than just conversations. At least as my hope, it has become a source of stories and connections for people. And I certainly don't think we take that for granted. Uh, so I'm I'm really grateful to our listeners and our supporters and our friends and family for keep on listening to our episodes, you know, and cheering us on because 
We've been on this for two years, and I can't believe that we've been、we、on this. We always feel like we're throwing things into the void, and occasionally the void responds. And every time the void responds, we're like, "Wow!" Wildly happy. <laughs> <Yeah> . Every <laughs> time we get like notifications. So, do you want to go into the stats? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a stats geek. I love the data. Compared to the person who dropped data concentration journalism. Yeah, how is that going? <laughs> I drop data. I'm in doc. I'm a visual person. Your stories and visual person, but yeah, one of the things we've discovered over the last two years is that, to date, as of this week, we've had more than eight thousand plays、um, of our episodes. You know, like how do we know that? It's、uh, from SoundCloud, and all the SoundCloud is the source of all the plays because iTunes also pulls from SoundCloud. I see. I see, I see, I see. We've gotten over eight thousand plays, and ten percent of which actually came from February. And that was the month where we had the Erkauhape episode Nyla. with Nyla and the Anis episode. Ooh, yeah. Which is kind of amazing that, like, you know, those are two extremely topical episodes, extremely、um, divisive episodes. Yes, but we've gotten a lot of responses and good feedback as well as bad feedback <laughs> from people in Indonesia and elsewhere. Oh yeah, we we got a, a, the Erkauhape episode that we did with Nyla. Was the episode most commented on and hated on by、uh, a lot of hate. the Muslim cyber army? But my attitude towards haters is I love them. Yep, and they make me feel like I exist. And so, doing good work. Thanks, haters, and doing good work because, like, I like I think if I was like criticized by like people I care about and valued their opinions, and said that I was ignorant and. And sensitive and unintersectional, I would like be very upset and be very sad in a good way. But like when it's people whose opinions I clearly disagree with and don't care about and are just bigots, I'm like, come at me, bro. What's also really, really cool about that actually, a lot of people kind of like defended our side of the argument, or the progressive side against、um, the bigots. And those are not paid bots. So that's really thanks so much, guys. Yeah, thanks so much. You know, we really we don't really engage on social media in terms of like in terms of like responding to these kind of hateful、uh, speech. But it's really encouraging to hear others sort of like fight back and have a conversation. Sometimes not, sometimes a shouting match, but still, you know, there, there, there's back and forth, which I think is always good. Should we step in? We should have stepped in. Well,、um, I don't know how to step in because we were we we're always taught to like not feed the trolls. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, maybe we we as cishet people have the emotional labor and duty to do so in this kind of circumstance. So self criticizing us again for this.、Mm-hmm. Sorry, listeners who fought back.、Um, But thank you. Like we always respond to like private messages and emails and our contact sheet. But comments sometimes, given that we have our own Facebook and we share this the Alika account, it's like kind of hard for us to both see what happens. And we're also on a different time zone, like the furthest away as possible. And we're also on a different time zone. <laughs> and like, if we get a message on Facebook and our to our page, we get an email about it.、Um, but yeah, so yeah, like, sorry about that.、Uh, but we'll always, we I think we have a hundred percent response rate for messages. We,、so. we try our best.、Uh, some of their stats that I think is interesting is that out of the eight thousand plays we've had of our episode so far. Over five thousand of those are from Indonesia, and of that five thousand, unsurprisingly, you know, more than fifty percent is from Jakarta. Shout out to all the Jakartans 
listening to us. But thanks, Ricardans. But it's also interesting to hear that you know we've got people from Makassar and Malang and then Pasar listening to us as well. That's interesting, you know, and and we really appreciate all our listeners from across Indonesia. Ooh. And then uh, we have also a lot of listeners from America. And the biggest of which comes from the city of Ashburn in Northern Virginia. That's random. <laughs> I think I have a theory about it because Ashburn is like a city near DC, and there is a big Indonesian diaspora in the Virginia area around DC. So that's my theory. How big? Big enough to sustain like Indonesian restaurants. Because <laughs> that's like Elmhurst in New York. Mm, yeah, listeners, if you are from Ashburn, Virginia, or Elmhurst in Queens. <laughs> you should reach out to us <laughs> and tell us why. And shout out to the Bulles who listen to our podcast to find out Indonesian politics. Yeah, a great story is that just a just a week ago, one of our listeners, and I hope he doesn't mind that we give him a shout out like this, um, Jason Katz Brown, who reached out to us privately on Facebook, actually was in Jakarta while I was in town, and we met up, and it was kind of such a wildly unexpected thing to meet somebody that has been listening to your episodes and we've never met before we've only you know we're basically strangers but you know we've met and had coffee in town and we talked about Dialogica and how he's very interested in helping out with the nonprofit community here and really concerned about the issues you know very specific issues too he was saying that he was really inspired by the Kendeng episode about the Kendeng farmers oh interesting as well as some of the other more Indonesian episodes and it was just really encouraging to know that what we're saying to the, you know, that the podcast abyss Boy. is being heard by others and it's inspiring them to do things. So shout out to Jason for reaching out. And yeah, it was super cool. I would not have expected our ramblings to have produced any an experience like this. <laughs> I want to ask you, how do you think you've grown as a journalist because of this podcast? I think you've started to move more towards that even before Columbia. Really? You think so? I think so. I don't think I was a journalist when I started this podcast at all. Not, not journalist per se, but somebody who is actively seeking out stories and you know trying to right. find those conversations. Uh, I think I wasn't. I think before I was more like looking at topics. You know, instead of thinking of telling a story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we've managed to do that in the podcast as much because creating an audio story is like a lot of time and work and a lot of producing. Shout out to Radio Lab for doing it the best. <laughs> I think when I went to New York, I kind of made a conscious effort to not tell Indonesia stories mm-hmm. because I wanted to like be outside of my comfort zone. Um, but I think I'm like looking at what's happening in Indonesia. I'm like even more concerned and even more feeling that I think some of my duty lies there more. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, some story ideas that I have is like, I really want to do an archival documentary on 1965, interviewing all of the 1965 political survivors who are dying right now from old age, right? Yeah, and getting their stories before they pass. And getting their stories, like doing kind of an oral history project. And I think in terms of how I've grown, it's like 
I really realize as a journalist, my role is not to really have my own personal voice and opinions about stuff, but finding people who have lived an interesting life and mm -hmm. or like broken system stories. So like how, you know, people with the best intentions have failed a particular community or due to complacency have failed people. Those are and like large systemic things. I think I'm a lot more interested in large systemic failures and, and problems than just individual I mean, the individual narrative is important to highlight the larger systemic issue. Um, but I think I've also really grown in terms of, like, investigating things a little bit and, like, trying to fact-check things. I think the truth is more important than ever. We're trying to get the truth is more important than ever in this time of, like, fake news. Mm -hmm. And I can only try to do my best in that fight by doing my reporting well. And I think I've grown a lot more respectful of the good journalism that people do like it takes so much effort to like make proper investigative journalism and i and finding stories is incredibly difficult i'm more aware now especially from the first two years that we started this podcast i think we were already involved in activism in Indonesia but I think in that I grew to realize just how privileged I am like you know being able to go to school in Colombia and being able to write and talk in English really well and as a result of the privilege I think I feel like I have a sense of responsibility to try and make things I don't know I don't think I've really succeeded in that but at least know that I'm an ally for people if anyone needs me mm -hmm. and wants to talk to me. Lately in Colombia, there's this um, lots of graffiti everywhere saying, are you helping or are you hurting? And I think that's a really good way to think about your position in the world. And I would like to try being on the helping side. I, I hope that our podcast is on the helping side as well. Yeah, I think for us, especially covering more LGBTQ issues is... We don't have the lived experience of people in that community, but we hope that we can be considered people you can know, provide a safe listening space where people's concerns are valid and we are on your side and saying how messed up the situation is and how we wish everything was better for everybody. Mm -hmm. I think we want to try and include even more diverse voices, especially from people who are Indonesian in the LGBTQ community. Um, we haven't done as much of that as I hope, and that's something we're trying to do more in the future. So if you have anyone who you know can talk about that and wants to share that experience, please let us know. Um, or if you yourself wants to reach out and yeah. share your story, you know we're more than happy yeah. to absolutely yeah we're open to doing that in indonesian and i think i think we have to get over a little bit our indonesian hang-ups and try to do more indonesian episodes mm -hmm. and i hope we'll still be doing this two years from now uh i think i'd like to apologize about the fact that like my life has been crazy busy and it's really a lot harder to get indonesian voices when we're both based in washington dc and new york but we're trying mm -hmm. and i think 
uh, we just also want to thank this little baby of ours too about you know like forcing us to like stay engaged and find new things and talk to new people because I think without it my world would be a lot smaller without this podcast yeah and for me I think uh, one of my goals for the podcast is to continue finding the most interesting and the most in-depth stories so that we're not just glossing over a lot of these issues and talking about them in a cursory way I think the podcast is really compelled me to dig deeper as a non-journalist yeah. <laughs> as a non-reporter uh, to really dig deeper not only into certain topics and issues but also just to engage more with different kinds of people and have more meaningful conversations right. and I really do hope that our future episodes and our future stories will continue to do that and really open up our worlds you know yeah you never know what's going to happen right like we come into this podcast without any expectations and we've been constantly blown away over the last two years and we hope that's going to continue to be the case for as long as we continue doing this Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id. Music credits to John Dealey, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us in these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Steph Tank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again and see you guys next time. Bye!